0: Welcome to the Pasho Perspective, a place where I offer my perspective on everything in the space between life and death. I am your host, Pasho. Today we're going to be talking about Jordan B. Peterson's rule number one in his first book, 12 Rules for Life. I absolutely love this book. Don't know if you're aware of it, but check it out. I know he's not the most popular person right now, like Joe Rogan or something, but I think he's a brilliant man. The New York Times called him one of the best philosophers that we have in the West, and I would have to agree. I was told at some conference at the beginning of some school year a few years back ago uh, about a, a really sad story about, you know, suicides with children, you know, in high school going up. And it was, you know, at that time, I think it was like a 13 and percent spike, nothing like the, I think, 50 percent from last year or something, which is, you know, a totally different story. But again, I think it just shows that this book is relevant. I used this book as a response then to hearing that because as a teacher, especially in high school, I mean, I know it's not part of my job to have to play therapist, you know, with my students. And it's not really what I was trying to do. I wanted to just kind of share the rules because I thought they were beneficial. I thought, you know, it's a starting point. It's something that you can change, kind of doing the same thing over and over again, expecting a different result, right? The definition of madness. Uh, So to like give them something else, right? To offer a different perspective that if things are not working, you know, if they don't have Uh, maybe what they would perceive as a good level of confidence, or perhaps, you know, they view themselves with any value, which I also see too, or perhaps that they're overly critical, I thought that this book would really help. And so last week, we went over rule number one. For those of you who are not familiar, the rule is stand up straight with your shoulders back. And the chapter is pretty funny. It opens up uh, talking about the uh, neuroscience of lobsters and how they have the same neurological systems we do uh, in regards to dominance hierarchies, which apparently, according to JP, I hope he doesn't mind calling that, uh, is older than trees. So he talks about, you know, if a lobster loses a fight, it's most likely not going to try to, uh, you know, take the risk again. It's not going to enter another fight it kind of goes into this, you know, pit of despair, if you will. The other lobster, however victorious, starts to, you know, go off and takes more risks, gets in more fights and, and then gains more things. And then, you know, because of its experience, it becomes a better fighter, you know, and, and all that stuff. And, you know, then he applied it to, you know, humans and we're kind of the same way, you know. Uh, he also in the chapter mentions uh, the Matthew principle, which I really like that says, to those who have, more will be given. From those who have nothing, everything will be taken. And I kind of try to explain that to my students that, you know, if you can at least start with good posture, then like the lobster, you can trick your brain kind of like a little life hack and get it to produce more serotonin. And serotonin is kind of like an antidepressant that our bodies naturally make, in case you didn't know. And so, you know, having more serotonin because your brain perceives you to be higher up on the dominance hierarchy kind of gives you a jolt of confidence, you know, and then there's this positive feedback loop that because you feel confident, you start taking more risks, which gives you then more confidence because you're starting to get things done. And so I also kind of pair this chapter with a video from a TED talk uh, by a woman named Amy Cuddy, uh, where it's like fake it till you make it. And eventually, you know, she changes that to fake it until you become it, because that's really it. And so I try to, you know, share with my students, if you can just make a little tweak, you know, do something different. If you see yourself slouching, if you feel your shoulders are drooping and right, I see all of you now like shifting in your seats and making sure that you have good posture. But if you do that, uh, according to Amy Cuddy, you know, for two minutes a day, you can start to get the confidence because you're acting like a confident person and then your brain interprets it like the lobster and gives you more serotonin, which makes you feel more confident and so on and so forth. And you start to really get stuff done. So like the Matthew principle, you know, if you have just a little confidence because you trick your brain because of your posture, simply standing up straight with your shoulders back, you're going to get more confidence. But think about then the situation, you know, reversing time where you don't have confidence. You know, and I use the example that let's say you want to approach somebody that you like, you know, and if you're not confident, right, your thoughts control your behavior. So if you're not confident, you're not going to go up to that person that you like and, you know, see where it could go. And you're going to kind of cower away like a losing lobster. And because of that, you know, you're probably going to hate yourself even more because you're not Taking the risk that you should, you're not getting what you want. And, you know, it's really your fault because you're not, you know, going across the room to that person. And so more confidence then starts getting taken away from you. Your brain, like the lobster, then produces lower levels as it perceives you to be lower on the dominance hierarchy, thus not requiring as much serotonin. And so you start to lose all of it. You know, and in the chapter, you know, I'm skipping ahead a little bit. You know, it could develop if people leave these ideas unchecked, it could revert in worst case scenario to agoraphobia. You know where you perceive the outside world as dangerous and so you kind of become a hermit in your home but then things start to grow in your mind and, and then rooms like if you hurt yourself your rooms become dangerous and so you then you stop going to that one room and then you start going to and stop going to another room and you stop going to the kitchen and, and eventually you know worst case scenario you're sitting in the corner of your closet completely terrified of your own house of the world in general You know, if if we don't check these emotions, more or all will be taken from you. And so I try to, you know, share that with my students that it's a simple life hack. Try to do that. I've always been very lucky. Uh, You know, obviously, this book wasn't around. So none of my parents or uncles or grandparents could have known. But my father, my uncle and my grandfather you know would always call me up on my slouching so if i ever slouched or started to droop my shoulders i always got a knuckle man right there in the middle of my shoulder blades it would stand me up like a jolt of lightning you know and they would tell me you know "Como on hombre which you know again don't get you know, i'm not saying it to offend anybody it's just how it was back in the day you know like a man is how you stand you know like a general you know, where you demand respect. And, and so I try to share that with my students too, that if you're a target of bullying, one of the, I think another way that you can kind of hack bullying is by your posture. If you look and carry yourself, like you could do something, you know, where people look at you and they're like, I don't know. I mean, if I could bully him, but it looks like he punched back Bullies don't bully people because they want a challenge. They bully people because they want to exert their power. They want it to be unchallenged so that it's intimidating for everybody else that's around them. And so they're going to look for the weak one. They're going to look for the one who's closed off, the one who's hunched over, the one who's by themselves like a lion and a gazelle. you know. And so a, a way to maybe even fool other people is to just stand up straight with your shoulders back, you know, it makes you less of a target. People have to question what's up with this guy. Maybe he knows martial arts. Maybe he's packing heat, you know, I mean, who knows? 2022 America. So anything's possible nowadays. But I don't say that this is the only way, you know, again, I'm just trying to show them that if you haven't tried something new, I really found this book to be pretty beneficial. And, you know, and I've been very lucky to always, you know, kind of been forced to have good posture. And I think, you know, for the most part of my life that I've been, you know, I felt pretty confident, uh, again, for the most part of my life, definitely not all of it. I right? can't uh, can't claim that it's never been an issue, you know, insecurities and stuff. I am human. And uh, I've had my moments, but you know, I've also made it past those moments. And I've learned something. And again, that's why I'm here on this podcast, so I can share what I have learned with you guys. All right, and so you know another thing too. When you when you carry your good posture, as he says in the, the chapter, other people you know want to hang out with you more. You know, I mean, it's not just romantic relationships, but you know, familiar relationships as well. Nobody wants to hang out with the droopy Eeyore or the snuffleupagus. You know, nobody wants to bring that to a party. Nobody invites a rain cloud to a beautiful day. You know, and so if you want to kind of attract the attention to make friends. Then, you know, you kind of have to posturize yourself like this guy looks like he's fun, you know, and I don't know if it's right or wrong, but it gets you invited. And then, you know, he kind of goes off in a, a video uh, with David Rubin and he talks about, uh, you know, getting invited to all of the diverse games in life, which I really like. You know, we talk about that. You know, when you're playing, you got to be a good sport. You know, that's really what it's about. When we tell our kids, you know, it's whether you win or lose, it doesn't really matter. It's how you played the game. You know, and he says, but your kid would tell you, yeah, but we got to win, don't we? And, you know, you're like, yeah, of course you got to win because you're going to try your best. But, you know, it's really about how you play. And there's so much truth to that if you really think about it. Because, you know, like I tell my students, you could win. And brag and show off and make everybody else feel really small. But what's going to happen after that game? You know, all the other kids are going to get together and they're going to be like, hey, you want to play another game? And they're going to be like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Except let's not invite that guy. And so what was the point of winning? You just lost all your friends because you didn't carry yourself in a manner that would have won the other games, you know. And so by being a good sport... You know, whether you win, hey, you know, we lost to this guy, but he was fun to play with. And so you're going to get more invitations. And because you get more invitations, you play more, which means you're going to get better because you're practicing. And so, I mean, everything, again, it's like this positive feedback loop where things just start to get good. Having good posture, getting invitations, being a good sport, you know, and even if you lose, again, it was fun playing with you. Do you want to play again? Do you want to have another chance? You know, and then that opens up your you know, opportunity to play, you know, not just, you know, let's say it was baseball, then you can go to soccer, you know, then it's kickball, you know, then the kid's inviting you all the time and you got some pretty cool friends. So, you know, those are the different types of games, but there's also other invisible diverse games like in, you know, relationships. Again, you want to be a good boyfriend. You want to be a good girlfriend because, well, then that's what's going to get you what you want, right? I mean, you want it, you should want to go into a relationship, you know, hoping that it's going to work out. You know, I mean, I, I hate that joke of, you know, I'm looking for my next ex-wife. I mean, I don't I don't like to disrespect the, the union of marriage. You know, I'm a very happy married man. I've always told everybody who knew me that, you know, if I'm going to get married, it's going to be once. And I'm glad to say that that's actually what's happening. You know, and then you get to play the next game, which is, you know, becoming dad. And then again, you want to be a good dad. You don't want to be too stern because then they're not going to talk to you like I talked about in my last podcast, but you don't want to be too easy to where they're taking advantage of you and they don't respect you, you know, and so you got to find that even keel, you know, you got to have that good posture, not just physically, but also emotionally, I believe spiritually as well. You know, it's one thing to talk the talk, but you also got to walk the walk and, and that thin line in between, you know, you got to be the, the, the Tao, right? That line between the yin yang that balances the chaos and the order. And so I thought it was a great chapter. I share with them also uh, oh yeah there's also a great analogy in the book where he talks about dragons you know dragons being those things that you know we're afraid of that keep us from doing things any obstacles that get in our way whether it's a bully whether it's uh, you know something it doesn't really matter but dragons if you deal with it like dragons are your problems you know they're the conflicts that come into your life and if you deal with them quickly you know if you if you take them on instead of cowering away, then it's relatively small, you know, it's just a small problem that just, you know, revealed itself. And maybe it's a little bit bigger, but it's new, it's young, and you can slay it. And we always got to remember that it is important to slay the dragon, because what is behind the dragon, right? A dragon always hoards the gold, the rewards. In Mario Who Brothers, it's the princess, you know, which I think is probably one of the best treasures. My wife's name is, you know, it stands for princess, and so, you know, it's personal to me. But anyway... The longer you take to fight the dragon, the older it becomes, the wiser it becomes, the more difficult it becomes than to slay. And plus, again, according to the Matthew principle, principle, you're losing your confidence, which isn't going to make you a better fighter against the dragon, where you had that confidence at the beginning. If you took it on, you get that boost of serotonin, you slay it, you rescue the princess or the gold or whatever the reward is for you, and you get to move forward. You know, you're not paralyzed with fear. You're not paralyzed having to take that first step, which I get it's the hardest step. But I bet it wouldn't be as hard, like Amy Cuddy said, if you just stood up straight with your shoulders back, popped in some kind of power pose like Superman. Tilt your head to the left. Put your hands on your waist. Imagine a cape flopping in the wind and then take on whatever you need to do. Go to that parent-teacher conference. Go to that job talk to your boss about getting that raise, go to your team and pump them up to get the win for little league, you know, baseball or soccer or whatever it is, you know, and have that posture, show that posture to your kids, teach them early so that they don't slump literally and metaphorically into, you know, melancholia, you know, start putting those knuckles between their shoulder blades, start standing them up, start reminding them that, hey, the world is watching. Be your best. Well, thank you for joining me today. If you like this episode, please share it. And in case you haven't already, please smash that subscribe button and leave a review. It would help me and the podcast out tremendously. And you can also support me and the podcast over at patreon.com. Just go to patreon.com slash the Pacho Perspective and become a member of Pacho's Chachos. God bless and have an amazing life. We'll meet again next week where I'll be talking about Jordan B. Peterson's role number two and what I share with my students.